Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. You're listening to episode three of the Holistic Approaches to Cancer series, The Ideal Cancer Healing Diet. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm going to be talking all about the ideal cancer healing diet. So for those of you who have been tuning into this holistic uh, approaches to cancer series, uh, I've talked about um, a lot of new, likely new areas for cancer and when it comes to healing and treating and approaching cancer that the mainstream and even much of the alternative world um, tends not to look in that direction and and if you haven't yet listened to the first episode root causes of cancer and the second episode how to tell when someone is truly cancer free I would highly recommend checking those episodes out because um, they are very important to understanding cancer, understanding root causes of a cancer diagnosis, and what it takes to actually start to overcome a disease like cancer. Most people, when they get a cancer diagnosis, they turn to diet, a lot of people anyway. They start to seek out diet. What's a cancer healing diet? What diet should I be eating? Your oncologist will actually know absolutely nothing about this. And in fact, most oncologists tell their patients just to eat the same thing. It's not that big of a deal. You know, check out the, um, the food guide pyramid or my plate and that should, you know, really suffice. Give you some good info there. Which we know is... Um, total, total BS, right? That is not going to be helpful at all. In fact, it's going to make the problem worse. Any problem. It will make any problem worse by following those instructions. So um, this episode is going to help you get clear about that. What's a cancer healing diet? What does that look like? What do I need to consider? Why is this important? But before I go there, I really, really want to emphasize, I really want you to get this point that diet is only a piece of the healing pie, okay? When it comes to our chronic diseases, especially cancer, but even our overall well-being, having energy every day, having good sound sleep, having a strong immune system, having healthy hormones really depends on the light environment we live in. I'm not going to go into the the totality of that here today. There are many, many episodes I've done in the past on that topic and there are many, many episodes I'm going to do in the near future on that topic as well. Notably, after this episode, I am going to be doing 
an entire show dedicated to vitamin D, the difference between vitamin D from sunlight and vitamin D from a pill, um, which should be a real eye-opener for many. I am not a fan of vitamin D in a pill. I rarely suggest that to my clients, and that show will teach you all about that. However, what, I, what I'm mentioning here is that, um, and I'm going to focus this on cancer, just so any of you out there who have cancer, who've had it in the past, maybe you're looking to prevent it, really interesting thing that we aren't taught today is that our body, the main goal is to produce energy. If we don't produce energy, we will be dead, right? So the body's main goal is to produce energy. So we've been taught that energy and the way we produce energy mainly comes from the food we eat. And we do produce energy from the food we eat. However, our energy requirements to keep us alive, functioning, healthy, energized, sleeping well, we can only meet about a quarter of our energy requirements from food, okay? The other bulk piece of that pie, our energy requirements come from light, which is why I am such a proponent of sunlight. I posted um, something in my Keto Cancer Solution group about sunlight, the sunlight's benefits, um, just a couple days ago in the Keto Cancer Solution. And by the way, I know I've mentioned this before, but I want to give any new listeners a heads up that, that the name of that group will be changing very, very soon, likely in the next week or two. I'm just really trying to um, finalize uh, an accurate name for that group because many people who get cancer, they look to a ketogenic diet, and I'm going to talk all about a ketogenic diet today, and um, is it a good idea for those who have cancer? Is it not? I'm going to get into that. But many people who have cancer, they start searching for, okay, what diet is the best diet for cancer? Often people come up with a ketogenic diet. It is highly, highly promoted and regarded as a an effective, supportive diet for approaching cancer. Okay. Uh, however, uh, so you know, most people get wrapped up in that, and then they're like, okay, keto, 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 and I'll talk more about this. And then they they totally disregard all other important aspects of healing. So. Cancer is a disease of, um, there's many root causes, but one main root cause is the mitochondria, your body's engines, how you produce energy, those engines start to fail. They start to run out. They start to, they're, they're not functioning anymore, okay? More and more and more of those engines are running out of gas. And to effectively replenish those engines, restore those engines, yes, we need to look to food and diet, but we also need to look at the where we get the bulk of our energy production from, which is sunlight, specifically red light and also UV light. 
So we must combine the, at least, at the very least, these two um, things, diet and sunlight, when it comes to really overcoming cancer. So I posted something about sunlight and the keto cancer solution a couple days ago, and somebody made a comment that this is a ketogenic diet Facebook group. Why are you talking about sunlight? This has nothing to do with cancer. And so I always really like to give people, they they had a point, the name of the group is the Keto Cancer Solution. So um, that name will be changing very soon to prevent comments like that. And I also like to give people a second chance. Hey, you attack me once, fine. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain why this is so important. You attack me twice, bye-bye. You're out of the group. So um, if there's not a willingness willingness to learn or to be open in the group, then, then you know, I'm not going to put up with um, being badgered when I'm trying to help people improve their health and well-being on a holistic level. Long story short... We need to be considering light when it comes to overcoming cancer as well as diet. And if you've listened to the first two episodes already, you will likely understand um, the great importance of engaging in something like classical homeopathy to help bring your immune system out of a suppressive state so that you can start to clear root causes of cancer. So let's dive into this topic a little bit more. It's an important topic. It's a highly misunderstood topic. And um, I'm going to try to help you get clearer about diet, especially when it comes to cancer here today. So before we dive into specific diets, because I'm going to take a look at a lot of different ones here with you today. We're going to talk about vegan. We're going to talk about keto. We're going to talk about juicing. Okay. Um, But first, we have to look at the root causes of cancer. I'm not going to go into detail. That's what the first episode was about. But this is why. When we know the root causes of cancer, then we can apply a dietary approach that actually addresses at least some of the root causes of cancer. If we just choose a diet based on a Google search or what worked for somebody and back in 1910, etc., or, you know, this isn't good enough. We actually have to make decisions that are rooted in actual truth and reality here. So when we're making our diet choices, we need to say, hey, will this diet choice actually help me remove some, at least some of the root causes of cancer, okay? So before just, hey, I googled juicing, it worked for Paul in Nevada, so I'm going to, you know, start juicing for this type of cancer I have, we have to say, hey, is that approach actually going to address root causes of cancer? So let's take a look very quickly here at some of the main root causes of cancer. Number one, suppressive therapies. So what are suppressive therapies? Vaccinations, antibiotics, corticosteroids, um, prescription drugs, even over-the-counter drugs, 
Um, even things like allergy medicine. People take Claritin, people take um, these type of things, nasal sprays, like they are harmless. They're, they're a suppressive therapy. Anything that suppresses a symptom is going to suppress the immune system. Suppressive therapies are one of the number one root causes of cancer. I go into great detail about that in the first two episodes um, in this series. Can diet, here we go, we're going to look at this. Can diet help to remove suppressive therapies from the body? No, it cannot. Okay, so we know it's not going to do that. Another root cause of cancer is the inability to spike high fever. I'm talking 101.5 or higher. Most people who have cancer can't remember the last time they got high fever. If they can, it's 10 plus years ago, and usually plus, like not 10, over a decade. Why is this an issue? This is an issue because um, if the immune system can't spike high fever, this is because it is too suppressed to actually elicit this, this number one way our body clears poisons, toxins, bacteria, viruses, fungus, etc. from our body. If we can't spike high fever, then the immune system is in a very suppressed state. And as a result, we cannot get acute diseases, cold, flu, etc. Um... If we do, they're very low grade, right? But we need to be able to get high fever with our acutes in order to really um, remove these things from our body. Most people cannot spike high fever. If you can, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I can spike high fever, I can get, you know, I can go 102, 103, then your likelihood of overcoming cancer is much higher. And... Um, every cancer client who comes through my door, in fact, every client, one of my main goals for them is to move them towards a state where they can actually get high fever again. When your body can get high fever, it burns, literally burns up poisons, toxins, uh, pathogenic bacteria, viruses, fungus that have been suppressed, suppressed for years. So, Um, We need to start bringing the immune system out of a suppressive state. When we can no longer get high fever, then we enter a chronic disease state, okay? Can diet help us overcome overcome, um, the inability to get high fever? No, it can't. Okay, there's some things diet can do, so just hang on there, okay? But I'm just going over what it can and cannot do. Sometimes, in some cases, and I've talked about this in the previous two episodes, that um, somebody will get a cancer diagnosis after they experience a significant trauma, stress, grief, etc. The trauma, the stress, the grief is so intense that it leaves a mark on the organism that diminishes their level of health. It brings down their level of health in such a way that that experience, that trauma, that grief was so intense that as a re- their body can't get over it, right? Their, their immune system can't bring them to this place where they can get over that trauma or stress. And in some cases, 
This can cause and result in a cancer diagnosis. These are typically the, um, I don't want to say easiest, but for the sake of just um, the, the show here and better understanding, I will say these are among the, the easiest or I should say quickest cases that um, can be quote unquote cured, right? Um, when they're given correct treatment. So, um, and again, you know, I just want to emphasize that I'm not giving medical advice. This isn't, you know, said to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. I just want to mention that. Um, okay, can diet help us to overcome and remove these traumas, stresses, big griefs from our body, from our immune system, from our cells? No, it cannot. What can diet do? We know that cancer is a metabolic and a hormone-related disease. The metabolism is faulty, and there's inflammation in the body, and the hormones are also inadequate. Cortisol release is um, occurring at the inappropriate times of day, melatonin release, if it's happening at all, isn't happening at the correct time of day. These are our two circadian clock, circadian biology regulating hormones. In order for our hormones to be healthy, these two hormones, cortisol and melatonin, need to be released at the appropriate time of day. Cortisol starting starting in the morning, melatonin starting three to four hours after sunset. Okay, most people who have cancer, at the minimum, those two hormones are not being released in a timely manner. Other, most people who have cancer have other hormonal insufficiencies, such as their testosterone levels are off or their estrogen levels are off. And um, people get really caught up in, oh, I have um, uh, estrogen positive, HER2. You know, we get really caught up in these diagnoses. I really, really don't care much about those because um, they get us in our head way too much. And then we focus... Um, we almost get this tunnel vision on, okay, how do I block estrogen, for example? And that's not the question we need to be asking. The question we need to be asking is just really simple. How do we get the hormones functioning, releasing in a timely manner? That is very key to overcoming any type of cancer. Can diet help us do this? Yes, to an extent it can. Okay, we also know that cancer is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction. Your mitochondria, as I mentioned, each one of your cells have hundreds to thousands of tiny little engines in there that produce energy, but also produce oxygen and water. This is a key to life. Your mitochondria's ability to pump out energy, oxygen, and water. Uh, people who have cancer, their mitochondria are not functioning optimally. Okay? So, cancer is in part a mitochondrial disease. 
So, can diet help to repair the mitochondria? To an extent, yes. So, diet can help support those root causes of cancer. The last one I'm going to mention here is circadian mismatch, which I, I mentioned just a few minutes ago. Cancer is a disease of circadian mismatch. What does that mean? If you haven't heard that before, it simply means that your body can no longer tell time accurately. It can't detect night from day accurately. It doesn't know, you know, noon from 6 a.m., from midnight, etc. Okay? When your body can't tell time accurately, it literally cannot release proper metabolic and hormone signals at the correct time of day. And I briefly, I started to mention this with cortisol and melatonin. Let's say you um, wake up at, um, let's say you wake up early. Let's say you wake up at 6 a.m., but the first thing you do is look at your iPhone or turn on a, a light, an LED light in your home. You've just you've just absolutely um, put a mark on your circadian biology. You're you by doing that, you're creating what's called circadian mismatch. I'm, I'm I I cannot talk about cancer or disease without with just by talking about uh, diet. It's impossible. It's it's short sighted. It it falls short with helping us achieve our goals. When we understand this pure, simple, physiological fact that your body releases chemicals, hormone signals, metabolic signals, neurochemical signals, depending on the type of light that penetrates into your retina and then goes back and signals uh, the hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal, depending on the time of day. And this is what signals the release of certain hormones, neurochemicals, metabolic signals, okay? So the type of light that enters your eye, hits your retina, sends these signals back to your brain and says, hey, you know, they just, they looked at their iPhone at 6 a.m. What color is the iPhone? The color of the iPhone is around the color temperature of the sun at solar noon. So what you just told your brain is that, hey, it's about solar noon outside, even if you flip on the LED light, similar message. Start pumping out tons and tons and tons of cortisol because we're way behind here. We're way behind, right? Because when you wake up first thing in the morning, what you want to be doing is the first light you want to be looking at is sunrise light. That light contains red light and blue light. This color combination is absolutely vital to pressing pause on melatonin that was released while you were sleeping, letting you do go through autophagy, apoptosis, right? Cellular repair and healing. And then boom, here comes the sunlight coming over the mountains or the horizon. You go out there and you're looking at that sun. This is the most effective yet most overlooked way to start getting your, your hormones and metabolic health back on track. 
So um, this is very important because most people live in a mismatched state. Their physiological time clock is out of whack because we look at screens too much without protection. Um, we turn on every light in our house that makes it um, basically look like noon. And at every time of day, whether it's midnight, whether it's 6 p.m., whether it's 8 a.m., right? And this causes circadian mismatch. Now, there are, we, when we eat certain foods, there are certain foods that can also set us up for a state of circadian mismatch. And I'll talk a little bit about that here. But can diet help us overcome circadian mismatch states? Yes, to a degree, it can. So diet can help us um, overcome some root causes of cancer. And that's important to know. Before just picking a diet, we want to make sure, hey, is this going to cover at least some of my core bases here? And yes, it is. Let's start to look at mainstream cancer healing diets, okay? Because... Many people who have cancer, who've had cancer or are looking to prevent cancer um, or know someone who has cancer, they start researching, hey, okay, what diet is the best? What diet should this person be on? So a uh, popular diet, at least in the early 2000s, late 1900s, uh, or excuse me, 1990s, um, has been the Gerson diet. Dr. Gerson was uh, uh, came up with this diet, the Gerson diet, that involved a lot of juicing, um, and many people overcame cancer by following his diet. This was years ago. Nine, early, now, this was early 1900s when this diet was successful. I'm going to mention that cancer today is much more challenging to treat than cancer in its... Um, when it was in its, in its infancy because we have used so many more suppressive therapies since that time. We've been introduced to so many more vaccines, prescription drugs, antibiotics are used that, you know, there's no um, holding back there. They're prescribed for anything. You get a little rash, antibiotic. You, ha you, you peel your thumbnail off, uh, antibiotic. Um, you go to the dentist, antibiotic. There's so many suppressive therapies that we're exposed to today, much, much more than when cancer was in its infancy, that our immune systems are so suppressed that now people cannot just simply refer to something like diet and expect to have a full-blown cure. Um, that is just the reality of our current modern day situation, okay? Um, so the Gerson diet was helpful to a lot of people um, when it was first in use. Since then, a lot of people have, have, have tried the Gerson diet who've had cancer, but we're trying it in a modern way. The OG, the original Gerson diet, consisted of fresh pressed vegetable juices. There were not fruits. These juices were pressed using a very specific juicer. I believe it's called Norwalk juicer. That baby runs you like 1400 bucks. I don't have one because I, I just don't think it's that effective at, uh, for modern day illnesses. 
I don't think it has that many effects. However, our juicers today, uh, this is important because you could go buy a juicer for like a hundred bucks and be like, hey, I'm juicing, I'm doing an awesome job. Mm, that's actually the opposite of what's happening because the type of juicers that are used today, the type of motor that's used breaks down the sodium potassium gradient so much so that um, it basically becomes a useless health practice. This is an important thing to note because the original Gerson diet really kept those cell walls intact. And so this helped to re-nourish, replenish the electrical charge um, in our cells, in our mitochondria, in the water surrounding our cells, the structured water, which is why the original Gerson diet, I suspect, was in part so helpful. The original Gerson diet also included fresh pressed liver juice. Um, I can tell you right now, nobody does that today. Nobody's fresh pressing liver juice and having with their, their uh, Nor Norwalk juicer, fresh pressed juice. Nobody is doing that. This is important because um, anyone who seeks out a vegetarian diet uh, they do, they typically do so because the Gerson diet was seen as a vegetarian diet. But what they are forgetting is that liver, the last time I checked, isn't considered a vegetarian food and has many, many nutrients, bioavailable minerals, vitamins, fatty acids in it that um, just simply aren't present in uh vegan vegetable foods. It's just not possible. It's a different, a totally different um, nutritional profile. So that diet worked for many people um, in the early 1900s because one, we weren't so sick and the original Gerson diet actually used much different preparation methods. The fresh pressed liver juice, the specific juicer, and this is why that diet was so successful as well as those people just weren't suppressed. Their immune systems weren't so suppressed as ours are today. And as a result, they could do the bare minimum like that and overcome cancer. This brings me to juicing, which is another, um, another thing that people look to when they have cancer. And I pretty much answered this question. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this topic. I actually did an episode on juicing. I am so not a fan of juicing. It, for so many reasons, if you want to learn more about that, go check out the episode I did on juicing. It's not too far back. Um, but basically, juicing destroys our uh, metabolic health, our blood sugar levels, uh, completely messes them up and um, creates a lot of inflammation in the body. So I am not a fan of juicing. I'm not a fan of vegan diets. People want to go vegan keto. Here's the thing with vegan keto. Keto is a high fat diet, which I'll talk about in just a second here. But keto, a ketogenic diet is a high fat diet. 80% of the diet um, in strict keto comes from fat. Okay, so in vegan keto, we're not going to be getting that fat from things like butter or lard or tallows, right? 
that is going to come from things like canola oil, avocado oil, almond oil. These are highly processed oils that are rancid upon uh, pressing and preparation and pasteurization. And uh, then they sit on the shelves and they're, they're highly susceptible to damage by light, by heat. And um, they're very, very hard on the liver, the kidneys, and the pancreas. Vegan keto is a horrific idea for anybody because it doesn't use any real foods. You know, with 80% of the diet being fat, you're going to be eating, unless you're just eating um, 35 avocados a day, <laughs> you, the rest of your fat intake is just going to be um, basically processed fat. Very bad idea. Let's talk about a ketogenic diet. This is a super popular diet when it comes to cancer, okay, because of there's been a lot of books written on this and literature. Um, let's talk about this diet because many people look to this diet today, whether they have cancer or not, you know, it's also... A lot of people look to this diet to help with obesity, to lose weight, to help boost fertility. So let's take a look at it. I'm a big fan of eating an ancestral diet. We've lost touch with what that actually means, however. A lot of people regard a ketogenic diet as an ancestral diet, and in part, there's some validity to this. So um, our ancient ancestors ate a mostly, um, actually I think that would be incorrect, ate more fat when, um, when wintertime set in, simply because carbohydrates weren't available. There was no other choice. They had to eat a lot of meat. They had to eat a lot of fat. They had people in Alaska, what did they have? They had seal blubber. They had seal. Um, they had fish. They... Um, made soups from these things and stews to last them through the winter, okay? Um, so as the seasons change, if, unless you live in the tropics, this isn't a, there's no need to be ketogenic in the tropics. Um, however, if you live outside of the tropics and our, our ancestors who did ate a more paleo and to an extent, keto type of diet because that's what was available to them. So if cancer is a disease of circadian mismatch, meaning your body can't tell time, and when it can't tell time, it can't release appropriate metabolic and hormone signals, we have to look at diet in a way that, okay, how can I use diet to best get that aspect of my health back in alignment? Well, one way we can do that is if we live outside of the tropics and we can't grow carbohydrates year-round, then we have to be more paleo-keto in the winter months. This is an appropriate time to engage in these types of diets, ketogenic, strict paleo, etc. So... Um, in my practice, if somebody comes in and they have, they currently have cancer, um, I typically will put them in some version 
I, I can't, I have never once um, wrote a diet plan for somebody with cancer that was 100% strict keto. There's many reasons for this. Uh, first of all, we need much more protein than a ketogenic diet requires. And high octane, high quality animal protein, seafood, animal, we need this because that's how our proteins actually repair themselves. That's how we prevent muscle wasting. This is a huge issue in anybody with cancer. That fear is weight loss, getting to this cachexic state. If we want to prevent that, we have to eat more protein. And we have to eat more protein to allow our cells to repair themselves, our proteins to repair themselves as well. And uh, protein is... People think that fat is the most um, metabolically influenced nutrient, but it's not. It's actually protein. Fat is a, is also plays a role, but protein a more important role. A lot of people with cancer who, who turn to keto, they will avoid protein, or I shouldn't say avoid. They'll keep protein low because they're so scared that protein's going to spike their insulin levels. Protein should uh, briefly spike your protein, your insulin levels, but not to this alarming degree. And the way that we actually improve root causes of our insulin and blood sugar insufficiencies is to get more, spend more time in sunlight. Sunlight, especially UV light, depletes glucose from the liver. And uh, this is why um, in, in past time when we spent more time outdoors uh, and in the summer months, what's available? Everything. We have grains, we have fruits, we have starchy things. In ancient time, people were outside more, they ate these foods, did they have cancer? That, that would have been an anomaly. If they did, that would have been a real anomaly. Um, I read a lot of books on um, that go through that study certain populations, archaeological books that study certain populations for years over time. There's people who are there. There's books and people living in South America. I, I've read who these people. What their most of their diet was plantains, and. Uh, there's no mention of that. That's cancer wasn't a de- disease they got. They got um, they got injuries to their feet because they walk they walked around barefooted and they'd step on thorns or sharp limbs when they were out hunting or searching for food or searching for branches to, you know, patch a, a leak in their roof with. And that was like the main issue they had. These people didn't get cancer. They, they of course they ate some meat and they ate they fished. Um, a lot of fish from streams. This is one example. Don't adopt this diet unless you live in this part of South America, right? We have to start taking this into consideration. We can't just eat a diet. Oh, the Mediterranean diet. Do you live in the Mediterranean? If you don't, it's probably not going to be a good diet for you. But here's what I'm getting to is that these individuals spent time outside basically with just loins over their, their, um, reproductive organs, right? They're practically naked, walked around barefoot. 
spent time outside in the sun. You look at pictures of these individuals. Nobody was overweight. Nobody got cancer. Why? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense in our modern day. We, we would never think this. We would think somebody who eats mostly plantains and has some fish when they flow through the stream and some wild meat when they're successful with a hunt, these people should have type 2 diabetes, be fat as hell, and have cancer. But they weren't. Why not? Because they walked around practically naked in very strong UV light all year round. Their diet reflected this. Our diet choices need to reflect what's going on outside our door. What can we grow? What can't we grow? That's what our diet needs to reflect if we truly want to be successful in overcoming a disease that's largely rooted in circadian mismatch. So why does a ketogenic diet support some people with cancer? Honestly, if a ketogenic diet was so successful, I would see a lot more cancer healing successes. I'm going to tell you more than not on the Keto Cancer Solution group that I manage right now, people are like, I've tried a ketogenic diet for a long time and I was good and then I, my cancer came back. And I was like, exactly. We're not getting to the root of the issue here. A ketogenic diet is a short-term Band-Aid uh, approach to buy you time until you can start improving your light environment and start making local food choices. Here's why a ketogenic diet works for, for some people in the initial stages. So when we eat carbohydrates, let me back that up. When we eat any type of food, we know it comes in in the macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats, right? But our body breaks these down into further subatomic particles, electrons and protons, okay? These, when your food is broken down into these subatomic particles, they then enter your mitochondria to produce energy, okay? And I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm trying, I'm trying to not get too deep in the science here so I don't lose people. And so you stay with me here and you can really understand this because this is really, really important when it comes to understanding why a ketogenic diet might work, at least in the short term. So on your mitochondria, the tiny engines in, in each one of your cells, there's five proteins that your ele the electrons and protons in food have to travel across in order to get to the final destination of energy, oxygen, and water production, okay? This is the main goal. This is how we turn our food into energy. So the first protein, that's where carbohydrates enter the cell. It's called cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH. If you're somebody with cancer and you've gone the alternative cancer route, if you work with a naturopath or a functional medicine doc, they may have even prescribed this supplement to you. I am not a fan. I'm a fan in very, very rare cases. I think I've, I've um, suggested that to a client once for short-term use. 
carbohydrates enter cytochrome one, okay? Now, fats, which is the bulk of a ketogenic diet, bypass cytochrome one and enter the mitochondria at cytochrome two. So, most people with cancer have a broken, dysfunctional cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH. It's usually for, for, it's not working. It's usually not working, which is why they have such strong reactions to carbohydrates. They don't feel good after they eat them. They get headaches. They feel fatigued. They get, um, their, their heart rate goes up rapidly. This is a sign that that first stop on your mitochondria, cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH, is not in good working order. That cytochrome works most optimally when your body is exposed to UV light. Now, so a ketogenic diet, let's say you have, you have cancer, you've had cancer, you do ketogenics, you're starting to feel really good. Why? Because you're, you, the, the um, electrons that enter your mitochondria when your food is broken down, right? Those proteins, fats, carbs are broken down into the subatomic particles. Electrons, protons, they enter your mitochondria. They're going to get the energy production. Fats bypass the first cytochrome. So is a ketogenic diet repairing that first cytochrome NAD, NADH? No, it is not. It's simply bypassing a broken, a broken protein, okay? So this is, a, this is a huge thing to mention because we're not actually repairing that... Um, we're not actually repairing that protein. We're just bypassing it. And so eventually, we're, if we want to get to overcome root causes of cancer, we're going to need to repair that first protein, NAD, NADH. And a, a one core way to do this is to get yourself in UV light and start practicing your Sunlight Rx. Okay, so I really, really wanted to mention that because this is a key reason why many people succeed in the initial stages with a ketogenic diet. So um, let's just sum this up today by now talking about what we need to consider when it comes to really putting together an ideal cancer healing diet. Number one, we have to align our diet with our environment. And I talked about this a lot. This is going to start aligning your circadian biology um, in an optimal way, okay? This episode has a little bit more science in it than, than many of my episodes um, it's challenging to talk about this without mentioning that because it literally won't make sense to a lot of people unless there's, I'm trying to give some context here. So if you're tuning into this, if you're listening to this and you're like, hmm, uh, I have more questions about this, join the Keto Cancer Solution Group. Again, I'm changing that name in a couple of weeks. So if you search for it, um, and it's not there, 
send me a, a DM on Instagram, sunlight underscore Rx, or on Facebook, Heather R. Shepherd, H-E-A-T-H-A-R dot R dot S-H-E-P-A-R-D, and uh, I'm happy to, to go into that. Okay, so um, number one, we have to align our diet with our environment. This is how we're going to heal our mitochondria effectively. It's how we're going to overcome um, states of circadian mismatch. Number two, which the, the intermittent fasting world has caught on to this a little bit, is that we have to practice specific meal timing practices. We should not be eating dinner one hour before we go to bed or two hours before we go to bed, even three hours before we go to bed. This is not going to be healing to our mitochondria, our metabolism, our hormones, our circadian biology, okay? We also should not be skipping breakfast. Many people skip breakfast unless you have been a sun heal, like really practicing the sunlight RX for at least a year or two in strong sunlight. That is not recommended, especially somebody who has cancer. We need to start the uh, supporting the metabolic health right from the get-go, and that starts with sunrise, and it starts with a really healthy breakfast. Okay. Number two, high octane protein. This is key. We need it to prevent muscle wasting, but also protein is um, the number one macronutrient, in my opinion, in research that supports our metabolic health. Anyone in the ketogenic world who tells you that it's detrimental to metabolic health has not done their research and is doing you a great disservice. Protein should be the number one nutrient, and I'm talking high octane. We're not talking soy, nothing vegan, no vegetarian protein, that's not what I'm referring to. High octane protein are things that are grass-fed and wild-caught. This is so key to have in the diet. Number four, we have to change our environment. So we have to spend more time outside with less clothes on. It's just how we're literally, you, we, were, we're, we come into this world naked <laughs> and um, there's a reason for that. We're not born with a t-shirt on and a, you know, a pair of Calvin Klein jeans and a, uh, you know, a pair of loafers. We're naked as uh, as we came into this world, and we need to be outside with as little clothes on as appropriate and often as possible, because being in sunlight is going to allow your metabol metabolic hormone neurochemical signals to be released in timely, uh, appropriate ways, and this is the number one key to health. Lastly, number five, we have to start engaging in modalities such as homeopathy to gradually bring the immune system out of suppression. And I'm listing that as number five because it doesn't specifically have to do with diet, but to clear root causes of cancer, I have found this to be an invaluable piece. Dietary red flags that I will end the show with here today Okay, so these are red flags, meaning they, these are not things that I suggest anyone do, especially anyone with cancer. Vegan diets, 
vegetable oils, anything liquid in a bottle outside of organic, cold-pressed, first cold-pressed olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, any fake protein, soy, uh, protein powders, highly processed. The proteins are heated up to hot, such high levels that their molecular structure is destroyed and toxic. Anyone who prescribes a high amount of supplements, this is a Band-Aid approach. Your body literally, if you're taking a supplement right now, your body is likely able to produce that endogenously via sunlight. And this includes vitamin D and melatonin. People think of melatonin as a nighttime hormone. Yes, sure, we suppress it from the pineal gland three to four hours after sunset. But guess what? We replenish and build a surplus of our melatonin stores in UVA light. So anyone who prescribes a pill is basically... Um, giving you a crutch because once we start supplementing things with uh that our body is designed to make endogenously via sunlight then our body stops producing it naturally and just is going to have to rely on the pill and then you're going to have to take more and more and more and more to um try and meet needs nature just knows its shit so <laughs> Practice your Sunlight Rx. It's going to be so, so helpful in so many ways. Okay, so high amount of supplements, strict intermittent fasting, strict keto, juicing, eating things out of season. So somebody says, hey, start juicing. You live in upstate New York. You live in Portland. You live in Canada. You should be drinking celery juice and um, eating bananas. Horrible idea. Not a good idea. Highly inflammatory. Um any restriction of animal products and dependence on so-called superfoods like chia seeds and hemp seeds, all red flags. Go back to the, the checklist number uh, and specifically one through four. Align your diet with your environment, what's going on outside. That's what you should be eating. Number two, meal timing practices. We need to have specific meal timing practices in order to reset our, met our metabolism and hormones. This is something I teach all of my clients, regardless of cancer or not. Number three, we need to be eating more high-octane protein. Number four, we have to be simultaneously changing our environment and spending more time outside underneath the sun. I hope this episode helped you understand food more, light more, our light requirements and our light needs, and how to approach cancer in a truly holistic, effective way. If you're interested in working with me to bring your immune system out of a suppressive state and to improve your level of health, there's two ways to do so. Number one, to become a client, go to heathershepherd.com and book a homeopathic session or an ancestral diet program with me. Once you sign up, I'll email you to schedule our initial session and to help you get started. If you have questions before signing up, I always welcome you to email me at heather.shepherd at gmail.com to ask your questions. 
Number two, to learn from me, you can join me this 2022 for the Holistic Health Coach Certification Program. This is a program rooted in cutting edge mitochondrial science and ancient healing modalities, teaching you how to be the most effective health coach for your clients. Application for the program is open now through November 25th. To join the program, go to holistichealthcoachcertification.com.